noise is an essential element in the creative, is the mysterious. The impenetrable, the profound depth out of which glorious things come, but nobody can see why. Welcome back, everybody, to the Troublemakers podcast. This is the in-between episode. In case you forgot, this whole podcast is about empowering people to tap into their own creativity in whatever way, shape, or form that takes. And in these in-between episodes, we try and give practical tools for doing that. Um, and based try, on, I was going to say, based on, based on the episodes we just had with... Mr. Um, Elliot Kotek. Yes. Um, who had a ton of great advice. Um, but one thing that he said that stuck with us, um, that felt like it make, made for a great subject for this in-between podcast, is working the Penske file. Now, before we get into working the Penske file, we need to sort of define what the Penske file is and where the origin of the Penske file, right, where it came from. Yes. Which is? So for those of you... I mean, it's hard to imagine that someone isn't familiar with the Penske file, but, uh, you know, the kids have could be seen, some younger listeners. It could be some younger listeners, <laughs> potentially. Uh, so if you don't remember, the Penske file was uh, from Seinfeld. And if you want to get really specific, it was the eighth episode of the fifth season entitled The Barber. Uh, and the the thing you may remember is there was this episode where George goes for a job interview and he talks to the boss uh, and right before he can get officially hired, the boss is interrupted, leaving George to figure out whether or not he's actually been hired. And so he decides to say, sure, I've been hired. <laughs> I've been hired. So he shows up for work on Monday while the boss is out of town and he's promptly handed this file to work on, the Penske file. And George has no idea what, what the Penske file is. Or what to do with it. Uh, over the course of the week, he manages to, I think, organize it in an accordion-style folder from the original Manila folder it was in, and that's about as far as he gets. But kind of ironically, the whole thing has come to mean culturally kind of uh, code for working on something else when you're supposed to be working on uh, your real job. So <laughs> it's code. It's code for your side hustle working on the Penske file. And so we're napping this, or, na or if you're George, I worked on the Penske file. George's George's side hustle was napping, but we're hoping that anyone listening to this podcast may have a, a more productive side hustle. Uh, and certainly napping. in the, in the context of our interview with Elliot working on the Penske file meant working your side hustle to make that, thing happen that you really want to have happen that dream job that dream whatever it might be right or if you're working in a penske file in elliot's case it was working multiple penske files uh <laughs> but yeah all right so i guess the the real the real idea here is how do you how do we help you find time to work on your own penske file your own side hustle i guess you know something creative you'd rather be doing than you're doing now, or how do you use creativity to help you get from what you're doing now to what you'd rather be doing? And bringing this 
all the way back to the beginning. I think one of the keys uh, to working on the Penske file, because it usually entails, you know, uh, hours at night after your real job or on the weekends, uh, bringing this all the way back to our interview with Mr. Toby Barlow, um, your level of enthusiasm plays a big part in uh, how much time and energy and effort you can dedicate to the Penske file. Because quite honestly, if you're not enthusiastic about that thing, you're going to be much less inclined to spend those late nights and weekends working on something above and beyond the job that you're actually getting paid to do from nine to five. Right. Enthusiasm is key. It's like a motor. It will... Yeah, or, and that's how you'll that's how you'll know if this thing that you really want is the thing that you really want. Because if it is, you'll be enthusiastic about it, and you will work all hours of the day and night and early mornings to do it. Right. Do uh, what was Carter? Do you have a, a historic Penske file you worked on? Well, I do, um, and for a long time. So when I first got into the advertising business. You know, as an advertising creative, you're always kind of thinking you, your eye is always on the next job at the next agency that you think is either more creative or more award winning or more something. Uh, the grass is always greener. Um, and so you're constantly working on um, you're trying you're either you're doing spec ads, you know, making up ads and commercials for clients that you don't actually work on. And you just do them on your, in your spare time. Um, actually going out and finding small little clients like, you know, the local barbershop and doing posters for them. All in the effort to make your portfolio better so that you can then, you know, get that next job at the next, quote, better agency. So pretty much from the moment I got into advertising, um, I was sort of always working on the Penske file because I, I always wanted to get to, you know, one of the top creative agencies in the country. And, um, to do that, you had to have a really great portfolio. And so as a young junior in the business, I wasn't, you know, getting the plum cherry assignments, although you always try to, you know, make the absolute best out of every assignment that you get. Um, but that can be difficult, you know, with, uh, a direct mail brochure, let's say. So I always spent time, you know, working on posters and ads for products that I loved that I didn't necessarily have as a client. Um, and that went on for, that went on for a long time. Um, probably till at least, um, you know, 10 years into the business, if not longer. And then now I would say that, um, now that you and I have both been doing the ad business or in the ad business for a while, it's changed to other things. So this podcast is a Penske file because we do this, you know, we, we still work in advertising and we, but we do this on our spare time because we, a, it's really fun. Um, you can tell people that, Hey, I made a podcast. <laughs> um, B I, you and I both firmly believe in the power of creativity and believe that it is a, um, really is a superpower, no matter what form of work you are working in, using creativity is, is going to help make that work that much better. And so, you know, we've kind of made it our personal mission with 
with this podcast to help people discover that. And then we, as you know, we both have other projects going on that are <laughs> also Penske files that require time and effort above, you know, the day job. So and many Penske files. So many Penske files. It'd be What's great is if you can get to that point where the Penske file becomes your day job. That's what we're all working toward, right? <laughs> I think I think that is the the ultimate um, pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. So that, that that thing that you're crazy enthusiastic about is the thing that you're working on all day long and getting paid to do. That's yes, the dream. That's the dream. So uh, what about you? What's your uh, Penske file? I think my most... I mean, I had the same Penske file you did working in advertising, uh, but probably my biggest Penske file while also working in advertising was I found somehow a way to make a feature film while maintaining my day job uh, as a creative director at an advertising agency, which... That is an a, excellent Penske file because that is that is truly a labor of love. Yeah, it was an enthusiastic labor of love and it, um, it, it taught me a whole bunch of uh, things I needed to know to actually be, I mean, it was, it was for, for the amount of money I had and, and the resources I had, the thing I feel like turned out really well. I mean, I did not become a famous film director, but, uh, I learned a lot and I feel like, and you did make a great film. Like that's, it's a great, it's a great story. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, I can pass on some of the things I needed to figure out in order to make the film as tips to kind of working on your own Penske file, because it was, um, there was just a lot of things to, to kind of keep all of these balls in the air and ultimately land the plane on the film. So it was, it took a long time and a lot of patience and a lot of organization and a lot of friendships and relationships and, um, a lot of, I'd say a lot of, it was a, it was like a journey of baby steps, a million little baby steps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so. And the thing that kept that going was? Uh, my enthusiasm. <laughs> my little enthusiasm engine. Yeah, because I remember like we were working together at an agency in New York and that was when you first started writing the script for that. And your enthusiasm carried you through many, many years until you were actually on set making that film. I know it's, yeah. And like one of the things I think that, um, I had down here on the things that you can use to kind of work on your own Penske file was, it was like a couple things, but it was like making your side hustle, your hobby. And as a guy who wanted to write screenplays, I was, uh, I had to find the time to learn how to do that. And so, uh, instead of whatever hobby I had had, maybe it was playing golf or something stupid. No offense, golfers. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I ended up taking classes at night to uh, learn how to write screenplays, and and I think that was the actual the actual plunking down of money, scheduling the classes, and making it like a thing actually helped me get it done. Because for a long time, I just kind of read books and sat, sat at my desk and not gotten very far. Um, yeah, there's yeah. definitely something to be said for one foot in front of the other. 
Yes. Make, making, taking, taking, again, taking that action that gets you one step closer to the thing. Yeah, that was my motto. My motto was one, one step every day. So I would define the step, take the step. And once I got there, if I had a question, then I would look on my little Rolodex of people. What I used to call my, uh, my imaginary board of directors. And I would see who on my imaginary board of directors I could call or write to that would give me the answer or the map to the next step. And it just became a million of those things, a million little calls, emails, texts to people. And invariably someone would tell me the next thing I needed to do. And then I would figure out how to do it. And then I would go and do it. And then I would be in a new place I didn't understand and needed advice on. And I just kept repeating, rinsing and repeating as they Rinse say. and repeat. So now let's, um, since we're kind of on the the um, real sort of advice for working on the Penske file, um, we have a we have a sort of list here um, of things to to help you um, make working on that Penske file fruitful um, and time well spent. So you've got a full time job eight kids, you're going to night school, you're president of the United States, and you realize you're going to need some career options in three years. Who knows? But here is uh, some a list of to-dos that we'll get into um, to help you work on the Penske file, starting with staying up late and getting up early. <laughs> that's the, that's the, that's the, the original old school Penske file rule number one. Stay up late or get up early. If you could do both, that's a bonus. You might not get sleep uh, for a little while, but nobody ever said getting something great was going to be easy. Um, I find that uh, it's It's hard to get up early. Oh, my God, it's hard to get up early. Um, it's much easier to do in the summer up here in the North Country when it gets light at 4.30 in the morning. Um <laughs> Way easier than when it's dark till 8 a.m. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Uh, but there, I love the early mornings because, A, they're quiet, so your your full-time job emails aren't pinging off the rails yet. Uh, your, your phone is quiet. Usually your house is quiet unless you have real little kids. Um, and you can, I think in that quiet, in that silence, you can get a lot of thinking done and a lot of work done in, you know, Say you get up at four or five, you know, you can put two solid hours in um, on the Penske file until you, you know, got to start getting ready for the day job. Yeah. And I'd vote for the mornings too, because I feel the exact same way. Uh, but I know there's some people that are night owls. But for me, the, there's something about the quiet of the morning and uh, the quiet of the house. And for me, my, I think when I wake up, I just feel like that's those are two of the better hours of my day. Uh, totally. So if you're going to work on the Penske file, using good hours instead of bad hours is actually a great way to kind of uh, exponentially multiply the quality of the time you spend on your Penske file, thereby getting you to your goal faster. Indeed. And you can certainly, you know, when you punch the clock and slide down the dinosaur tail at 5 p.m., you can certainly go work on the Penske file then, but uh, you're just not going to have the same kind of brain power that you do 
early in the morning because you're you know you're just tired from the day job. Yeah. Uh, number two. Number schedule two. Schedule that shit. Schedule that shit. I've I learned this late in life. Uh, I don't know why. Because I, I guess growing up, I became. I used to like to push back against schedules, and I hated schedules. But I discovered that my iPhone and my Macintosh computer come with free calendar software. <laughs> free. It's free. <laughs> so I could just put down Tuesday, 6.30 to 8.30, Penske file, and my phone will send me a note, an alert, to let me know that that's what I should be doing. And once you start to actually physically block off time for something, it's surprising how much better you are at showing up to do it. Uh, if your enthusiasm's not carrying you through because you're having a down day, having it scheduled is one great way to kind of keep the momentum going. Uh, I totally agree because you can you can wake up in the morning with the best intentions of, you know, oh, I'm going to work on the Penske file today. This is going to be great. And then you get that email from work. And then, oh, yeah, you've got that coffee that you schedule with that person. And then, oh, then this happens. And then before you know it, it's the end of the day and you actually haven't worked on the Penske file. So right. having that having that block of time sitting on your calendar that says Penske file, it's there and you know you're going to do it. It's also easier, I find, to push back against other things that want to encroach on your Penske file time if it's already on the calendar. It's just as, because it's there and when someone you know, goes, well, this is how this is how corporate America works. It's like, when can everybody do the meeting? And you're like, oh, I'm available from 10 to 1, or I'm available from 4 to 5. Uh, it, as long as you have it on your calendar, you can always, you always know that that's just not the time that you're available. And when you don't have it on the calendar, I it find it just gets lot, pushed aside. It just gets set aside, and, and there's no Penske file work done, and you're that much further away from doing what you really want to do. Uh, number three, which we number. just, we talked about a little bit, actually, maybe this is, that maybe. should have been labeled differently, but make your, make your side hustle your hobby. Yeah. Which we did talk about, but. And that's, I think the, the smart thing to take away from that is people are really good at finding time to do things that they love. And usually those are a hobby. So sometimes you play golf or you play tennis or you go backpacking or you, you're a bowler, uh, I don't know what you do, but somehow you always find the time to do that. And one great thing I learned is if you can just kind of almost pull a little shell game where you slot out your hobby and slot in your Penske file, then you just sort of put it in the same time space that your hobby was in. You suddenly uh, can start doing more work. I know I used to, I used to play golf. And this had a little bit to do with having kids. But before I had kids, I played a lot of golf on the weekends. And when I started, uh, got to the point where I was trying to finish my script and get it ready to shoot, I just took that four or five hours I was wasting on a Saturday uh, playing really bad golf and put in, put <laughs> slid in script revisions. And so the family actually didn't miss me because they were used to me being gone on a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning to play golf. And I would just, I just took those four hours and repurposed them, uh, for, 
for finishing uh, pre-production on my film. So anyway, it's a, it's a good, it's a good little trick. It doesn't always work long-term, but it is a, a great way to kind of repurpose time. And it's also, you know, it, it, it's also sort of a good measuring stick to, for you. So you can go, you, you'll know how important your Penske file is to you. You know, if, if, oh man, like, you'd rather go play golf than work on the Penske file. Well, then maybe, maybe that side hustle thing is, is not the thing that turns you on. Not to say that you can't play golf. You can play golf or whatever. Or bowl. Uh, squash. Um, but if, you know, you're, you'd rather just go do that all the time than, than work on the Penske file, then maybe that's not the thing for you. Because yes. your heart's got to be in it. Again, that's what it all comes down to. Number four, this was, uh, Elliot mentioned this and I thought this, I, I tell people this all the time. I think it was one of the biggest factors that helped me actually get the movie made. And it, this whole idea of tell people you are doing it. So you look like a huge dick if you don't like (laughs) it's, it's, there's the, it's the, it's kind of like leveraging the power of um peer pressure peer pressure for good uh i told people i was uh i was raising money to make a film and i told so many people and i told them like in so many emails that i was like man if i do not make this film i am gonna look like the biggest loser who couldn't get it done and that (laughs) was a great motivator. like enthusiasm is a terrific motivator, but peer pressure is also a fantastic motivator. <laughs> and if you can use the two of them together, they can become like a super nitrous oxide type of motivator. And so, you know, you know the you, the the funny thing about this one is I've actually in other you know sort of like motivation books or whatever business books or um, whatever. I've actually read both sides of this argument. Uh, there are a handful of people that totally agree with this. Tell people you're going to do it. Um, and I've read other people that say, uh, you know, there's no need to broadcast anything. Just go do the thing. And then when it's done, then, you know, everybody sees it. But I am firmly in the camp of tell people you are doing it because, even with, again, even with this podcast and, you know, one or two of the other projects that you and I are working on, we've told people about them. And that just that little action does something in your subconscious or even in your conscious where like, oh, shit, like, I, we really have to do this now. <laughs> They're like, there's no going back. I do. I, I agree. And I think beyond motivation, it also just there's that whole. I don't know what the expression is, but it's like breathing it into life by speaking it and saying it and telling people you're doing it. I think that helps make it more concrete in your yeah. mind. And it just Absolutely becomes something does. that is, is real. And a lot of people work on things. And I think there's a part of them that believes what they're working on isn't real, maybe because they're not being paid for it or they're not doing it full time or they're not doing it to the extent they want to do it. And so it, 
it falls into this kind of gray zone of not really being real. And I feel like the more you tell people what you're doing, the more someone may ask about it, the more you may build on it, and the more it's kind of actively on your mind, the 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 you have this opportunity to help not just make it real, but to grow it and to shape it and to, who knows, stumble onto someone who's interested in helping you with it. Like, it's just... Uh, it's good for a number of reasons, even beyond just the simple peer pressure mechanism. Yeah, it, I, I, I also really firmly believe that that the, the more you, um, the more you talk about it in concrete terms, the more real it becomes. You are literally bringing that thing to reality out of nothingness, um, and the more real it becomes, then the more you want to work on it. You're right. I've lost track of what number we're on. I feel like maybe, <laughs> Me too. maybe it's number five. Is it number five? Five or six. We don't know at this point, but all right. we'll make sure to call them out. So, all right. Let's see. It's uh, We wrote down here, Sa- save up your vacation at work or, and take it all at once. I, I, took, I took six weeks off to shoot the movie and then slow posted it over the course of a year, which means it basically took me a year to edit it, score it, mix it do the color, finish it. Uh, but I, I managed to work with my current job to find uh, big chunks of time that weren't too big that we could all agree I could take off. But I think one of the things taking, saving up all your vacation, if you have this luxury, is it allows you to kind of audition this world full time. And that mm-hmm. can be super empowering because when you can – when you feel like you're swimming in what you want to swim in all day, every day for a period of, of two weeks, it, it just kind of, it can help fuel that enthusiasm that we all know is so important and it can help make it more real. It does all these really super important things that you otherwise can't get from two hours here or two hours there. And so thinking about and- that feels yeah. And there are, and we, we realize, you know, we, we work in a business and in, in a side of this business that we're in that is much more lenient in how you take time off in most places. And we realize there are a lot of people that potentially listening to this that don't have the luxury of those working at those types of places. They can be a lot more hardcore about, you know, you get your two weeks and that's it and it doesn't roll over and this, that, and the other. Um, you can still save up that two weeks you know, and make, you know, plan that two weeks to be the thing that you're going to do. And I I mean, I sort I feel like I read about now and hear about, you know, companies as we kind of move into a more enlightened age, you know, there, there are other programs that companies kind of institute where, you know, they give you that time to pursue that, you know, other thing. Um, There's an agency here in town um, that, I don't know the exact particulars of the program, but they basically gave um, all the employees, you know, some time off, paid time off to uh, pursue their Penske file. That's amazing. I uh, I remember working uh, at an agency during the dot com boom in the in the high and heady times of the late nineties, <laughs> and things were going so well. That they created, 
They created a sabbatical program where one person from the agency would win a six-month sabbatical to go and do whatever it is they wanted. Yeah, so that's crazy. For the two years that it worked, one person got to go and learn um, and study guitar in France, and the other person went and made documentary film, uh, I believe, in Africa, which were like, wow, these are like fantastic and ambitious and terrific. And, and then... And then, and then the stock market crapped out, and <laughs> the generous sabbatical companies program, were less less inclined to dis- just yeah, disappeared, <laughs> never to return. So, creating your own sabbatical is sort of the idea here, and uh, if you can make it happen, it's somehow, some way, somehow, some way, find a way to know. make a, a a chunk of time. Yeah, and the other thing is like, you know, sometimes. You can find two weeks or you can, even if you get a week, you can roll it into some other week that's largely shut down and you can, you can stretch it, you know, like I used to love to stretch things over Christmas. Like you could take one week off and you could somehow manage almost three weeks of time where, uh, it didn't seem like you were gone that long because everybody else was gone. Yeah. Or, you know, long three day long weekends or yeah. Right. Uh, moving on to our next forgotten numbered number item. <laughs> yes. Um, track your new work-life relationships contacts. Uh, I think this is a really good one, which is I'm personally really bad at, but trying to get better at. Yeah, I have. I like. Um, it, it's sort of like the idea I mentioned earlier about creating a. Uh, a mental or virtual board of directors. If there's something else you want to do, uh, keeping it front of mind whenever you meet new people is a great way to always be thinking about finding someone who might be able to, to help you advance your Penske file cause. Uh, I'm always surprised when I have a, if I'm working on a side project and I'm like, yeah, I don't know anyone who, who can help. It's really frustrating. And then I'm like, wait, if I just think about it, uh, long enough, I could usually go back and find someone somewhere I know who, uh, who is perfect, the perfect person to call or write, uh, and, and get the help I need. And the thing I found is most people, if you come to them soliciting knowledge, they feel it, it feels good to help someone for most people. And so, uh, I find most people are really, if it's one, usually if it's one specific thing, it's really easy to get someone to help you. And so if you track the people you meet with your Penske file in mind and create a little file, a little list, you can have a whole kind of file of uh, helpful, helpful people who can help you advance your cause. It's there's a, um, um, I'm sure everybody listening to this knows who Tim Ferriss is, but he has a, a saying that I, I think is really true along uh, this item, which is your network is your net worth, um, meaning that all your network of people that you have in your contact list, um, that is of immense value to you because there are going to be people in there that you might not know that they know this person that can help you do this thing. Um, and like I said a minute ago, it's something I've never been very good at. 
but I've really started to organize my contact list into, um, you know, sort of different subject matter. There, obviously, you have your mate, your your main contact list, but then organizing it into groups that can, you know, divided by subject matter or, or whatever it might be for your particular thing. Um, I think it's I think it's really helpful, and I, I'm actually amazed when I go into my contact list and I'm like, "Where is so and so?" Because I've been emailing them like ten times, but I I never took the time to actually put them into the, my contacts and and organize it, you know. Um, so again, to reiterate, Mr. Ferris is um, saying your network is your net worth. Yeah, and I I think that. I would just throw out there because we talked about getting up early and staying up late and I don't know about other people, but I've sort of come to know myself well enough that I know what I'm, what kind of work I do best and, and when. And so I would say I love the mornings for thinking and writing and doing thoughtful, holistic brain type stuff. But like nights for me when I'm just sitting and trying to relax uh, watching a show or something is a perfect time to just organize shit because it doesn't take a lot of brain power. It just takes a little bit of time. Yeah. And so uh, organizing your you know, potential list of moving your life forward contacts is just a terrific thing to do uh, when you're doing something else. It makes it easier and less daunting. Yes. And following on that... Uh, this could also be a 7A or 8A or whatever number we're on. Sub, um, sub B. Sub B. Finding the Penske File Mentor. Uh, we talk a little bit about the virtual board of directors, but I think if you have if you have a really concrete thing you're trying to do, finding that one person who feels like the one person you can always ask just about anything, finding that mentor is so helpful. I think it's... Because uh, I think no matter what, no matter what Penske file you're working on, you may hit a you may hit a wall, and you may feel like uh, you're stuck. And having that mentor, that person that kind of can kind of unlock the most cumbersome problems for you, is such a great thing to have. And all of these things we've been talking about are is a great way to find that mentor, whether it's keeping a contact list or putting out into the world what you're doing. Sooner or later you'll find someone who might fulfill that role for you. And that happened with me on the film. I found a guy, we were shooting some commercials and we were talking about what we do in our spare time. And I had said, Oh, I'm working on this script. And, you know, and this guy was like, well, he was a producer and he's like, you should shoot it. You know, it, sh- it, can- it couldn't cost that much. My, I had a friend who shot a film for 40 grand and, you know, and I was like, all right, um, maybe I should start thinking about that. And as I started thinking about that, I would, I would email this guy uh, and I'd ask him a question and he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, you should just do this or oh, just find this or ask this type of casting director or blah, blah, blah. And pretty soon I was like actually making the movie and it was all, all thanks to uh, this one super awesome, helpful person, this guy, uh, Aaron Lubin, who's not listening to the podcast, but he should know. <laughs> he should, should be. know. You should know. <laughs> you should know. I'm super thankful. Uh, and also, for... I, I mean, I think you know, it, you're you're not asking a lot of these people. Um, you know, it's a conversation or an email here or there, and 
And most people, if they're not complete assholes, will be more than happy to share their experience with you um, in the hopes of, you know, helping you in, in some way along your path. So it's, I, all you got to do is ask, you know, you do. And, and just the like, worst that's going to yeah. happen is, no, is I don't have time or no, and then you, know, right. you move on to somebody else. But yeah. And if you ask, if you make the ask with consideration, which just to me means making it simple, not asking too much, uh, keeping your email short, uh, you know, most people, you know, the way I think about it is I'm making it, I'm, making it concrete. As well. Yeah. Like, hey, I need help. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah. What do you I, need help with? <laughs> I, I like the, the expression of I'm going to ask a little of you a lot of times versus I'm going to ask a lot of you once. So it just becomes little things like where do I find a casting director? How do I get film insurance? Who do I talk to about this festival? Like it becomes then it becomes a simple sentence for the person to reply and it's the key that unlocks the next step and you're on your way. Um, number nine. <laughs> I feel like we, we probably talked about this one already, which is just putting yeah. it out there. Talking about it. Talking about it. Um, uh, posting it on Facebook. You know, you never know. Somebody will say, Oh, Hey, cool. Here's blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, we, we did sort of talk about this, so we don't need to dive into this one as much, but just put it out there, verbalize it to yourself, to your family, to friends on Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is you use, just put it out there. Yeah. Um, and you will be surprised what the universe gives back. Right. And this last one I think is a good last one because it's kind of and boy, do I I need to heed this last one big time. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a long road. A lot of these things are long roads, and the the title of it was "Have a a ruthless and relentless patience," which are kind of these feel like two sides of a coin. But um, you you can't force it. You can't make it happen overnight. 90% of us can't. 99% of us can't make it happen overnight. So you have to be patient, but that doesn't mean being complacent. You have to be kind of ruthless and relentless in your pursuit of it, uh, though it may be in half steps um, over long periods of time. Giving yourself the permission for it to take some time is okay. I remember when I finished the film... Uh, we shot in September and we probably still needed some pickup shots. And I talked to my editor and I was like, Hey, do you think we can get this thing ready for Sundance? And he was like, yeah. And I'm like, great. He's like, next year. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and that's what I, I was like, it took a year to finish the film. Like all of the things that had to be done, there was no way I was going to have the time to force it, to get it done in two months, it was going to take 12. And once I realized that, uh, I could just settle in and plan everything and figure it all out. And I did, I got to finish my Penske file. I just had to commit to this idea that it was going to take longer than, uh, a certain part of me wanted it to take. But I think in the end, if it gets done, that's what's important. If you get there. 
Yeah, and and that it does come back to if you can if you can take that one concrete action every single day, then you're going to be closer to the goal. Um, and just you know, you can either sit there all day long and be like, "Oh, I really hate my job," or what? I mean, you don't even have to hate it. It's like you know, you just would like to be doing something else. Um. And you just complain about it, or you can just do the one thing, take the one step, whatever it is, one concrete action every day, and you will get there. Yeah, even if it's a half step. A half step is better than no step. And which is what we're doing with this podcast. There might be 10 people that have listened to this podcast so far, <laughs> but we don't care because we're having fun doing it, and we're just going to continue to do it. And those 10 people are so much better off so much better off i don't know and they have Um, been they've been highly complimentary for which we are very grateful uh but just take the step every day one step all right so there you go there you go you know there's go work on your penske file my step now is going to be to go get a haircut which doesn't really (laughs) further my penske file in any way but I feel like this podcast did, so I'm going to take a time out for some personal grooming. Step has been taken. Step has been taken. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will catch you next time with our next guest, who we're not going to tell you about right now, but we're very excited about. It's true. We are excited. Enthusiasm running wild.